With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. to a Celtic State of Mind. It's Friday, the end of another week and an eventful one this week. Tony, how you doing? I'm very well, Laura. Yourself? Not too bad. Jim, how you doing? Fine, Laura. Good, good. Plenty to discuss today. Um, first thing I wanted to go over was obviously I was on the I was on the game coverage uh, for the St Johnston match the other night, uh, so everybody pretty much knows my thoughts on the subject. Uh, Tony, I'll come to you first. Um, did you get a chance to see any of the highlights or anything like that, or what did you make of what you maybe heard coming out of the game? I did, yeah. I saw the highlights and a couple of good goals, and Karamoko Dembele scoring his first goal, I think. How long have we been saying that he should play? And, uh, yeah... And people can say, yeah, it's kind of end of season, dead rubber, but good on him for scoring his first goal and, and then being the subject of much debate after a breach contract situation. That was clarified that he still has another year to run. So I hope that's a positive year and I hope that he gets unleashed next year and does the business. Because we've been saying for ages, he's a player that excites. He excites everybody. And if he can do that on a regular basis, then hopefully he might sign a longer term deal and enjoy it under new management. Somebody get a right good tune out of him, but from what we've seen of young Karamoko Dembele, you know, he, he looks a player, you know, and I'd like to, and I think myself, Jim, and yourself would like to see more of him. Absolutely, I think he showed everything that, that we were, we had been banging on about, like you say, we'd been saying it for, for a number of weeks and uh, it was good to see him get the opportunity. Um, Jim, what, what, what were your thoughts on the game? It was obviously one of our better performances in weeks, what do you think that was down to? I watched the whole game. I watched the whole game, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. you know it's an end of season game. It's Scott Brown's last game. It was a bit of a testimonial. Feel to it, not Scott Brown's testimonial. St. Johnson had nothing to play for. They don't want to get injured ahead of the cup final. A uh, couple of nice goals: Turnbull, Edward. As Tony said, it was good to see Dembele getting a game. He should have been there much earlier. Uh, hopefully, managed to sign him up in a longer term contract. I mean, earlier in the season we'd. Connor Hazard played two games and my brother it was and got a new contract straight away and Welsh you know he's done well this season he's got a new contract so we'd love to think that the new manager whoever he is coming in will maybe 
try and convince John Karamoka to stay because he looks dead exciting. You know, he looks mm-hmm. such an exciting player and we've, 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 we've lacked that excitement. So uh, he did well when he came on and at the end of the day it was like a nothing game and I think we're all wanting the season to end as soon as possible. <clears throat> when he had that kind of feel as if it's the last few days at school. That was a long time for me, and you just wait for the summer holidays to start. You know, it's kind of you're all a bit games bored. Day, <laughs> games day, Tony's games day, and just just you're giving your age away there, Tony. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Hopscotch, Hopscotch. <laughs> so yeah, I think, uh, take, I think they take iPads Victoria. in nowadays. So, what do they order? iPads. What? How do they work? <laughs> um, just looking at it, Tony. Um, there was the point raised after the game. I think it was Paul John that raised it. You know, the chance maybe of of Dembele getting a starting spot against Hibs at the weekend, and you know, really being given opportunity to to see what he can do on a on a from the start of the game and and see how he can terrorise the defence in the way he managed to do the last ten minutes against St Johnston. Um, I'll I'll frame my question the same way I framed a question the other day, and this does not mean that I think this, but do you think it's wishful thinking to say that Dembele will be starting on Sunday, or do you think he is in with a good shout after his performance? That he should start, really, shouldn't he? I mean, I think yeah. it's a no brainer. You know, Jim's alluded to it, Dave Rubbers. So, what, what, it's a win win, giving him a start, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. let him just and play him for the full 90 minutes because I, I genuinely want to see what he'll bring to the table. And I like watching exciting players. I like people that can get me on the edge of my seat. And I think, I think the, will, the best will in the world, every Celtic supporter is willing this young guy to do very well. They've heard so much about him for so long, but they've not actually watched him in action for any lengthy period of time so just unleash him let him and, and do you know what just let him do his, do his stuff do his thing you know just say go and there's the freedom of Easter Road go and enjoy it and show us what you can do and yeah hopefully he can he'll play from the start and he, and he, and he scores again because I think you know players want to do that and the wee man looks capable you know so you you, you don't want to draw comparisons I've said before we young players I said just want to let them breathe so give them that opportunity to shine on the platform and see mm-hmm. what he's got. Jim, um, we've talked about Dembele. We're obviously all very excited by what he can do. But another youngster that made his, uh, his I don't know if it's his full debut actually, but certainly I think it was his first start for the club. Um, Montgomery was playing and, and looked a pretty solid addition to the team. What did you make of his, uh, his first start for the club? I thought he played really well looked very composed on the ball looked pretty confident a couple of times where he took a few players on in situations you think it'd be easier to pass the ball so he looked pretty confident yeah so another one of these guys that you think you know why didn't they give him a chance at some point and, and if you're not I mean obviously we've covered this before but if you're not going to give these guys a chance they get them on loan to to a team who are playing at a half decent standard you know they're, they're kind of squad mismanagement this season you know guys like that look really good and they would have benefited from being loaned out to another club at a decent level and getting maybe 20-25 games under their belt but he certainly looked one for the future yeah great composure mm-hmm. it's also good to see Lee for the 20-25 minutes that he got it's a disappointment he didn't start but he looked sharp when he came on he got a really good header in it was unfortunate so I mean obviously there's only one more game before the Euros are getting picked uh, but hopefully hopefully he gets the nod because I think there's a, a few strikers that have been injured so uh, mm-hmm. hopefully the wee man gets the nod for the, for the Euros that'd be good yeah, a few strikers been injured and a few midfielders, so David Turnbull might be in with a shout as well if if, uh, if the injuries are anything to go by. But um, thanks everybody for commenting on YouTube, Facebook and Twitter where we are live. If you subscribe to the State of Mind channel, you'll get notifications when we go live uh, every day for the bulletin for the match day coverage. And there's also other football-related content that's not Celtic-related and other non-football-related content in an ever-growing list of shows that we've got coming up. Ewan Boy Martin on YouTube has said Dembele 100% should start um, and basically I think the, the agreement's there. Um, some people urging Tony to, to say he's now we know borrowed catchphrase of rip-roaring free scoring. Um, Celtic. Yeah. Glasgow well, Celtic. I think Dembele could contribute to a rip roaring, free scoring, never boring Glasgow Celtic. Yes, I'm sure he, I'm sure he would play his part in that, and you could have his picture on it with the slogan emblazoned underneath it. 
I would, uh, yeah, I would, I would like to see that merchandise. Well, that's seven minutes in. So, Jim, we've only got to wait for your death by a thousand cuts, whatever time that comes at, and we'll timestamp that as well. You just said that. That's that. <laughs> um, so it, it was an encouraging game I think um, we uh, have plenty else going on at the club this week uh, obviously Scott Brown uh, played his last game at Celtic Park um, Tony it was um, it was emotional watching him sort of trudge off the pitch to to know to know uh, standing applause to know um, to know cheering from the fans um, I'm sure I'm sure like we said, uh, other bulletins this week, there would have been a full house for him and it was just another indication of how much life's changed in, in the past year. Um, did you have any particular feelings sort of watching that footage back and seeing the photos that came out afterwards? It was just utterly surreal, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I think surreal and eerie and just unbefitting of a goodbye to such a wonderful servant to the club. You know, we've, we've spoken about him and we we just say he is... I think the what what the, I think one good thing that the the website did was Captain Leader Legend. I think you'll remember those three words, and that's that's just got going. I'll remember not the one that that left you know this season, the Captain Leader Legend, the one that you know captained the club to you know the domestic trebles and and won so many honours and gave his heart and soul for what thirteen years, uh, fourteen years, however long he was there, and yeah, you know I, I just. He, he deserved the applause of the fans. He just deserved a full house. And I think it, I don't think, uh, I think it hurt the Celtic supporters more than anything else because it's the one thing that they would have wanted to do this season more than anything else was to say goodbye to their captain properly, you know, after the way the season's gone. But they would have loved that. They would have loved that moment. And I think Scott Brown would have loved to have shared that moment with the supporters as well. And uh, it's just going to be the strangest feeling in the world seeing them come back with another team and I'm sure he'll get a magnificent reception but it's just not the same and I think a lot of people were talking and hoping that they can maybe get something arranged to for him to see a, a proper cheerio and I, and I think that would be fitting of a as I say a wonderful servant and a, and a cracking leader and a truly unforgettable captain in the history of the club yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The, the captain leader legend mantra has been plastered everywhere and I think everybody can agree, regardless of what some pundits have to say, that, that Scott Brown is a Celtic legend. Um, Jim, it, it was a strange feeling watching him walk off um, to an empty stadium. Um, I would sincerely hope, like Tony says, uh, that, that there will be something a little bit more um, fitting for his departure when it's safe to do so. Do you think that's something the club could get on board with? Would you trust the club to do something like that, given how great their decision-making has been so far? Mm. I think it was really sad because it's been such a sad season. You know, It should have ended differently and without going over all ground. I mean, this time last year, he must have been thinking, next, next year he'll be immortal. You know, he'll be carried higher at Celtic Park. Uh, so that was sad how it ended. You know, and getting taken off Ibrox the other week. So there's a number of things this season, yes, by a thousand cuts, that have been really, really sad. <laughs> uh, and that's just one of them because it'd been great to have to have won the league, to have had a full house the other night. And maybe if he'd have won the league, he, he, he might not have went. He might have actually stayed. So I mean, it's just a kind of just dead sad, wasn't it? It's really sad. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said that a million times on here that I'm not biggest fan of Scott Brown by any means, but even I had a bit of a lump in my throat watching him walk off there. He certainly didn't deserve uh, to, to go out in, in such a quiet manner because it's certainly not the way he lived his, his life at the club. As long as we're not playing scooter. <laughs> <laughs> mm. What a clap that was. <laughs> there, there is a certain age group um, of which I, I believe I might be one of them who, who has some decent memories of Scooter being on at the school discos, but we'll not go into that. Um, I had no idea who that was. No idea who that was at all. And I know my music up to about 1990. Up to 1990, I know everything about music, but beyond 1990, I struggle. And I thought Scooter was an actual, was an actual person he was talking about. Get Scooter in, you're thinking, who's Scooter? Is that somebody's nickname? Is that... Ayers nickname or something. So, uh, kids in their modern music. What? I'll just say, Jim, you're not missing anything. Keep it that way. Don't oh, no. invite, invite Scooter into your life. You, you won't be enriching. Oh. 
You said the other day you meet me in darkened by bringing scooter into your life, not not enlightened. <laughs> it maybe says I just like to about say that. Uh, yeah, on you go, Jim. No. Well, I was going to say two things actually. One was uh, just a wee thing to mention. There was a comment in the. In the, in the chat room last week that referred to Tony and I's these two clowns that keep interrupting. So just to give you a wee explanation of this, if you're having a debate and you're sitting in the same room and you're chatting to each other, to have that debate, either the chair will say, have you something to say, or you wait for a gap in the conversation and then you maybe say something. See, this internet stuff, it's really difficult <laughs> to gauge the gap. Because you think there's a gap here, I'm going to talk, and then they talk, and then you look as if you've butted in. So it's not the fact that we're buttoning in. That's number one. Uh, and a quote I saw the other night, which I thought was really good, because sometimes I get fed to this old guy on here. It's not that I'm old. I'm just someone who's seen lots of things. So that's my True. new phrase I'm using. And now, you, and now you've seen Scooter as well. <laughs> Whoever they are, all yeah. I'll, all I'll say is it just reminds me of... Uh, Ben Sherman shirts and too much hair gel. That was that was the that was the nick of the boys at my school discos. But we'll we'll not go into that because I'm sure I wasn't in great nick either. <clears throat> um, Tony, I, I don't know if you get a chance to watch it, but uh, Scott Brown was um, involved in a, a a sort of I, I don't want to say like a fans forum, but a fans media conference uh, was what it was. Natasha represented a Celtic state of mind. Uh, at the at the conference, and we'll see what she had to say to Scott um, later on in the show. But I, I watched it. Um, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but I thought it came across absolutely fantastic. And all it left me thinking was, "This is what we need. We need more of this. This is what you know. The the, the level of questions that was getting put in wasn't your usual media trained stuff. Um, his relaxation and his ability to have a bit of a laugh was obviously there." Did, did you take anything from it or, or see see the value in it going forward? Listen, Scott Brown's great value. Sat in front of him many times and people have this thought about his persona that he's a daft boy. He loves a laugh and a joke, but football's a serious business to him. You know, and uh, and I said last week that when he was made the captain, people were saying, you know, and when he was to conduct the huddle, people were saying, I oh, can't string sentences together. Scott Brown's a highly articulate, intelligent young man, but he just loves a laugh, you know. But the, the football business was always serious, and Jim and myself said it at the time. I thought that Scott Brown's influence leaving Celtic, you would miss it. And I said, be careful what you wish for, and it is what Celtic need right now. Scott Brown should be the go-to guy for any new players coming in, to introduce them to Celtic, and 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 you know, and show them because there'll be guys coming from. You know, down south possibly, and from various parts of the world who maybe think they know what Celtic's all about. I keep saying it. Scott Brown was a beating heart of Celtic and Scottish football for the best part of the last well, te- a decade, 12, 13 years. You know, and so there's nothing about Scottish football that you can't tell Scott Brown. There's nothing about Celtic you can't tell Scott Brown. So it's the end of an era, and as Jim said there, it's sad, but I still think he's so, so much to contribute. Certainly off the field, and and possibly a limited role on the field. But you could have said to Scott Brown, right? You know, be be an ambassador now. You know, be a coach. We'll put you through your coaching badges. See what you've got an aptitude for it. You know, but he, I, I still think there was a pivotal role for him at the club. And uh, yeah, he should still be there, in my opinion. People might disagree, but he had so much to bring. He, he, that leadership quality, that kind of giant captain leader legend you don't come across these characters very often in football and we've let one go out the door and we might rue that we might not but hopefully one day he might come back in some managerial or coaching capacity because I'd love to see that because I still think he's got so much to offer football moving forward yeah, Jim, I, I, I think that definitely came across in what I saw from, from Scott Brown talking. He was talking about the, the major influence that Paul Hartley had on him, the, the major influence that even Glenn Leuven's had on him when he first became captain. Um, it brought home to me just how long he's been at the club. I mean, these are players who've been away for a decade or more, um, and he's talking about their influence on him when he was a Celtic player and him having that influence on players coming up behind him. It really did bring home, uh, do you think, the the kind of just the sheer huge amount of experience and, and knowledge that we're losing from the team? 
I think usually when I hear a football player chatting about something about what's happening now, I tend to switch off because there's a limit to what they can say. But if it's a reflective conversation, love to hear that. Love to hear what they've got to say. And as you said, I I I watched it as well. And then we talked about something like Paul Hartley being an influence. You're thinking, what? How could Paul Hartley been? Nothing against Paul Hartley. You're thinking of all the players you might have picked. Paul Hartley, why was that? And then you want to explain why that was the case. And this is the thing that, that, that I love about football. There's so much we don't know. Mr Haggerty's got behind the scenes a few times. He'd know a lot more than we do. But I'd love to know a lot more about what actually happens on a day-to-day basis and what players think, rather than we've got a big game on Saturday, three points at stake, blah, blah, blah. No interested at all. But I'd love to just I mean, listen to any football player at any level talk about you know, what they've went through. Because I'm mm-hmm. fascinated by it. Because like like most people, you'd have loved to have been a football player and really weren't good enough. Uh, so you'd love to know more about what happened. That's why I love to read. I mean, I, I don't read many books, but the books I tend to read tend to be football autobiographies or biographies because it's really good to get behind what's actually happening. And I thought it was, it was, it was dead interesting yesterday, dead interesting, a lot of stuff that he said. And as Tony said, he comes across as an intelligent, articulate young man. Uh, He's a young man to me. He's a young man to me anyway. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you'll be, I, I just, just to echo what Tony said, he'll be sadly missed for his for his influence. Uh, but he obviously wants to play. And he was talking about hoping to play over the next two years. So if that's what he wants, then after 14 years, you have to say, OK, fair enough, on you go. But it's, uh, it's just sad that we could have him here, not to play, but to put him on the last 20, 25 minutes of a game to show a game up or... More importantly, to be that influence around Lennox Town, uh, particularly for young guys coming in, that's the big danger, I think, without going over old ground from last week, that when all these new players start coming through the door, they don't have a Scott Brown to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, and you really need something like that. And I think if it is Eddie Howe coming in, then he's going to bring in, I, I think, his own captain. And, and Celtic will be completely new to his own captain. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's a bit of a bit of an issue. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it could cause some clashes there because even though some people have said, you know, Callum McGregor or James Forrest or somebody of that ilk are not really captain material, they certainly know more about the club than any new player coming in. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Now, um, talking about the the fan media, uh, there was also a fans forum that happened earlier on this week with the new CEO, Dom Mackay. Um, I believe Peter Lowell was there and a few other um, club representatives uh, as, along with around about 40 fans from the club. Now, unfortunately, uh, Jim, Tony and I were not uh, within that number. Hopefully, um, we will be in the future. But... Um, uh, Paul John from, from Celtic State of Mind as well as a couple of others were in and uh, I think Paul John's in the wings waiting to come in so there he is, there's the man himself just dropping in like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible how you doing Paul John? Oh, you're muted He's hopeless um, He's hopeless He's hopeless Doesn't get his tech well done, thank you. Um, there he is. <laughs> Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. That's better than Ben Sherman, uh, Shorts and Too Much Gel, which you were obviously referring to me in my <laughs> high school days as well, Laura. Yeah, I was at the forum. I was at the forum. Uh, fascinating. I love actually sitting behind the scenes and listening to you guys. And um, one thing that you, you mentioned there, talking about, Jim Moore mentioned that um, Scott Brown's that guy who takes new recruits under his wing and lets them know what Celtic is all about, that winning mentality. Uh, I'm going to digress slightly here. Uh, Tommy Burns, we're actually on live just now, but we've got another video running live on the channel, which is announcing the Tommy Burns play and I'll talk a wee bit about that but Tommy Burns played that part according to Willie Garner now I know that Tony and Jim know and remember Willie Garner's Celtic career Um, Willie was a massive Celtic fan, it was his dream to play for Celtic, he had a cracking career at Aberdeen under Alex Ferguson he came to Celtic and what happened on his debut, Tony Haggerty? He scored two OGs Two own goals in his debut, and he still blames Pat Bonner for both of them. Right. Against St. Mirren, that Pat kept 3 1 loss. St. Mirren, absolutely. And he spoke about uh, you know being in the, the team coach going to games and, and observing Tommy Burns. And Tommy would uh, pinpoint certain players, and he would go and sit next to them in the coach. And he spent the entire journey on that bus talking to them about what Celtic meant to the fans. So, you know. 
he watched that in the dressing room as well. Tommy Burns was that character. He says Danny McGrain done it to Charlie Nicholas coming through as a young player. Danny McGrain was like a mentor to Charlie. Um, and, you know, I think that is an importance that some people may not realise, Jim, because we don't see it. We see it in the park, we see it in the huddle, but we don't see the behind-the-scenes influence of someone like Scott Brown, so absolutely. Um, but as you were saying, before I talk about the fans' forum, Laura, um, we've been kind of, not fighting, but we've been liaising with the club for a long, long time to get as much of um, access as we possibly can. And yesterday, thankfully, we were accredited and we were allowed into the Scott Brown conference along with a few others. So we're going to play what Scott Brown said to Natasha when Natasha was asking him about his influences at Celtic. Um, but also, we've been fighting hard for press, accredi- uh, press accreditation elsewhere and we are in the game tomorrow. So we've got a pass. Uh, Natasha is going to Easter Road and when we're doing the match day stuff, we're just actually going to dial her in and ask her for updates here and there. So that's going to be good. And it shows you a wee bit of progress and hopefully more of that will happen next season. The club will be talking to us next week about what that's going to entail. So it's great that there is an engagement there. And uh, this is what Scott Brown had to say yesterday. That's a great question. I think right at the start, I think I'm going to have to say Paul Hartley. We had a kind of love-hate relationship when he was at Hearts and I was at Hibs and we obviously came together in Scotland. We met up a few times, we got on really well, but as soon as we went in that park, we, we pretty much fought, fought like cat and dog. But as soon as we came into a changing room, we had a great bond and to this day I still speak to him all the time, uh, ask for advice uh, and to be fair, he's a manager now, so I'm always willing to learn. But he was huge in the dressing room at the time and the two of us were in the same position and whether I was playing centre midfield or he was playing centre midfield would always look out for each other but he would also give you that little bit of respect and sit you down and say what you could have done better and how, how we could have worked together as a team and I think it's that it's sometimes somebody puts a, an arm around you that you don't expect and I also had that with Neil Lennon as well when I first came to the club and me and Lennon used to fight as well and so many pictures of two are standing face to face and arguing. We just um, both players just want to win. You do whatever you can to win the game, and it was the first day when Neil uh, when Neil was leaving and I'd signed, and I was sitting in the manager's room just waiting on the Gordon coming down with Peter. And Lenny walks in, and I'm thinking this is my worst nightmare at this moment in time. And we sat down, we ended up having a conversation for half an hour, 40 minutes, and he told me his love for the club and how fantastic the club is and how special it's going to be. And he's sad that he's leaving. And I'm starting to understand it now because it's me that's leaving and I'm the, the guy that's slightly older and I'm talking to the younger lads. And I'm, I'm sure they're probably not taking much of it in at the moment because they're just living the dream that they are and playing football and enjoying it. Whereas... I've had that, I've experienced it and loved every single moment of it and now it's coming to their end and you've just got to try and enjoy it as much as you possibly can. Hi, the Celtic Exchange. Thank you. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Fair play to Bruni. I thought that was excellent. And, you know, check out 
uh, a Celtic state of mind on YouTube because we put out the full press conference yesterday and he, he really is telling you there that there's a, a passing of a baton isn't there so Lenny's passed it on to Bruni who's Bruni going to be passing it on to that's so important and um, yeah, I fair play to Scott Brown for taking the time I think he was in there for about 40 minutes Laura and I thoroughly enjoyed listening as you say it was relaxed you know and it was fan media and um Erin Erin uh, from the Cano Foundation came on and he had already watched our video from the previous day with the poem and he commented on that and this kind of thing so he came across really well but the one thing I agree with uh, Laurel on certainly is that where's this been all season? Yeah. Why not do that during the season? It would have been you know a really good way of kind of linking and engaging with the fans I feel not just Bruni there could have been other other opportunities just to get people involved. So I, I thought it was a great move by the club and um, we will be covering Bruni's last game tomorrow, uh, Natasha being in the stadium. But the fans forum, Laura, uh, for anyone who wasn't aware, which I wasn't actually until yesterday, you can go and register on the website there is a fans forum link on the website hidden away and you can go and register so that you will be invited to future fans forums. They're not normally um, virtual. You do get invited into the stadium and I think it's maybe three times a year that that happens. So last night was virtual for obvious reasons and I found it very interesting. I was an observer. I've got to say I didn't put anything forward uh, in advance because it came pretty late, my opportunity to be part of that. But Kevin Graham... Uh, had quite a lot to say and I'm not going to play those clips but uh, he had quite a lot to say if I'm going to be completely honest and I, I know some people may have already started circulating what happened last night and what the con- content was you mentioned earlier Laura Peter Lowell was in the room he might have been but it was impossible to know who was in the room so even down to wee things if, you, if I'm going to be really critical the tech side of things uh, left a lot to be desired you didn't actually know to such a point uh, Brian Wilson he chaired the meeting uh, and he did his introduction. But when Dominic Mackay addressed the Celtic supporters, he picked his chair up, brought it as close to the camera as he could so that you could actually see who you were talking to. Um, the, the thing with uh, the Dom- Dominic Mackay input, very, very interesting, but I'll, I'll come around to that. The opening salvo um, from Brian Wilson was around the fact that we had to look at the posit- positives from this season. Um, and, and the kind of words and the language that was being used by the fans in the room, in the virtual room were of disbelief uh, Kevin Graham himself said he was flabbergasted at some of the things that were being said, we had to look at the positives and we had to look at what Neil Lennon Peter Lowell and the quadruple treble winners had given to Celtic fans, so that was the opening salvo um, and to be honest with you I think what happened there is quite a lot of the people in the room were on the back foot straight away uh, a couple of people I've got to say, I'm not going to say there were more plants than Dobby's Garden Centre, but there was a couple of people in there who basically said, mm. uh, I'll be buying my six season tickets this season, even if I don't go to the games, I'll pay the full price and you should all do the same. And when you're obviously listening to that kind of thing, you think, well, that isn't reasonable because everybody's in different situations financially, work-wise and everything else. Um, And we need some kind of assurances. And I think that's the big issue last night was not many assurances were given. So we're looking, Laura, at, uh, first of all, the added value. You know, we've had a couple of specials on Axom whereby Celtic shares um, via the Celtic Trust, the Green Brigade, we're talking about, you know, having this share plan whereby Celtic fans would be paid uh, in a number of shares. Uh, The club did not mention that last night, um, but they basically said we don't have a plan and we would like to hear your views on that. And I think that's uh, what really surprised a lot of the people in the room is that they didn't have a proposal and they wanted to hear more from Celtic fans in relation to that. But maybe even more concerning than that was the fact that, uh, obviously, as JP keeps reminding us, there's 67 days, good number, 67 days to that first fixture in the new season. Um, they expect the season tickets to be on sale by the end of May. They are making good progress in relation to the appointment of a new a new manager. They're working hard behind the scenes on that. Yet, when that season ticket um, renewal is announced, 
you know, they're not going to be offering us anything different. They are going to be asking for a full uptake of 53,000 season ticket holders all paying the full price. And the kind of reasoning behind that was that it's, you know, with the season tickets and also the match day tickets, the walk-up sales, as, as they're called, it makes up 44% there or thereabouts of Celtic's revenue. And we need that revenue because it amounts to 25 million quid. Um, they were looking at if they were to put a value on the added value that's missing Laura from last season or this season, it was something around the, the figure of £10.6 million. Pounds. Um, if they were to pay that out and if they weren't to get the full uptake, then basically it means that there will be less investment in the squad. So that that was the, the kind of real hot take from it. Not very positive, but they wanted to hear our views. So somebody pitched something very similar. Um, Gordon Cowan it was uh, he pitched something very similar to what we spoke about during the week you know about the, the club membership Laura yeah um, I, I talked about it um, I think I think the question that you phrased was um, obviously about the added value for the for the season ticket holders and uh, obviously with those people being the ones that are financially contributing to the club in a big way I think they deserve an added value that goes above and beyond considering they're not really getting very much for their money while they're not able to go to the games but yeah one of the other ideas we discussed is for for those of us who don't have a season ticket but would like to contribute financially whether there's an opportunity for some sort of membership where we can get discounts in the club shop for a, for an annual fee and um, maybe access to some discounted tickets for games, that kind of thing that, you know, if you're not able to contribute financially by way of a season ticket, there's other options there, but you said you said there might be, or, or like you say somebody's raised that idea mm. Yeah, I, I followed it up because we'd already <clears> started <throat> scripting something out, so it's been sent to the club and it's been confirmed that it will be considered, but it was basically getting a package of things that Celtic fans may be interested in that already exist so, for example, a season ticket to the women's games, a season ticket to the Colts games, discounts in the shop and online and also to suites and events, um, as well as digital copies of Celtic Match Day magazines, uh, the Celtic View and programmes, and various other things like the Celtic TV subscription. Now, if you were to put all that together and look at Celtic season tickets, and I can only use a very small cross-section of the Celtic support, so from where I'm sitting, we've got six Celtic season tickets, right? Not you guys, it's just uh, obviously within this this studio. So I could ask them, which of the following do you invest in currently over and above your Celtic season ticket? And at the moment, the only one is the shop. So they will buy products in the shop. Uh, nobody really is interested in the match day programme, Celtic View, um, Celtic TV, etc. over and above their ticket. I'm saying they're not interested, they don't, they don't invest in it. And I know the big businesses call it ARPU, or Average Revenue Per Unit. Um, that should be changed to Average Revenue Per Fan, obviously. But um, they wouldn't be losing anything, Laura. So if you were to give that to Celtic season ticket holder, and I'm, I'm using a very small cross-section of the support, they wouldn't be losing it because we're not buying that kind of stuff anyway and um, it is added value because you could put a value on it so how much is an annual subscription to Celtic TV how much would an annual subscription to Celtic yeah, the Celtic View the match day programme how much would a Celtic Colts season ticket be how much would a women's season ticket be and you put it all together it, it would definitely exceed the £200 that was quoted last night as a ballpark figure in terms of the added value from this season um, and if that was created as a membership scheme it could also be marketed to those who don't have season tickets tickets from all over the world moving forward so that's what we've proposed from Axon and hopefully it will be considered. I would hope so I mean I think I think what you say there is is, is correct and obviously even though they've been getting that revenue in um, they will have been saving money in some sense by not having to actually have people in the stadium for the for the the matches you know food drink that kind of thing policing all of that stuff that costs money that they've not had to do so there's obviously must be some wiggle room there for for um, for, for making that an, an, an opportunity and and like I said to you before for the non-season ticket holders these are people who are not contributing financially in any great way. If you were to get a hundred hundred and fifty pounds off them a year for the opportunity to to get discounts and special offers and that kind of thing, that's money they're not getting anyway. You know, mm -hmm. so so they may as well get that, and it might encourage people to spend even more money through other revenues. Because I don't think anybody uh, who's had this discussion is expecting anything for free. You don't any, anything anything that's worth getting doesn't come for free usually. I think it's just about like you say, getting value for your money. 
Definitely. And I think, you know, moving forward, it's one of these things, Laura, yeah, they're looking at it uh, on a temporary basis for the added value, but it's a it's a product, it's a membership scheme that they could move forward with for the worldwide fan base. You know, as you say, uh, we know that David Slight has a membership with St. Pauli, for example. So there's worldwide Celtic fans and they could they could contribute in different ways other than a season ticket. A few of the other things that I found quite interesting um Dominic Mackay continually called Rangers the noisy neighbours, didn't uh, name them, just called them the noisy neighbours all the way through it. Uh, and also he said that Celtic were leading the way in getting fans back into stadiums. Um, he also pointed out that he had been part of the SRU in relation to the test events, so he's at the forefront of getting fans back into stadiums as well. Um, uh, the club said that season tickets, basically, this was underlined and they kept going back to it, are the lifeblood of the football club. So, that, you know, that was a big takeaway that, you know, 53,000 Celtic season tickets will need to be bought. They'll need to be bought at the top price. Uh, otherwise, the, the actual investment in the, the playing side of things will be hampered by that. And although this wasn't mentioned, you know, you're looking uh, at the noisy neighbours, as Dominic Mackay calls them, they'll sell out every single ticket that they could possibly sell moving into the new season. Their merchandise sales will be through the roof. And, you know, that exactly is what we are up against. Um the, the Eddie Howe stuff, someone mentioned Eddie Howe, obviously the club didn't uh, expand on individuals, but they basically said that progress has been made. Um, they didn't give any specifics, uh, which was a wee bit disappointing, I think. Uh, and also looking at things like um, the three core pillars of Celtic Football Club being business, football and charity, and they were given to us in that order. So, you know... That that was interesting as well. But yeah, it's something that I would recommend everybody gets involved in because you can obviously submit questions and queries, points of discussion in advance. They are ready for you because there's a, a whole uh, you know variety of people in the room. So you know the people from the commercial team, people from the media side, uh, Brian Wilson was here, Dominic McKay was there. I don't think Peter Lowell was there, actually. Uh, but yeah, I would recommend everybody. And of course, we'll continue to get involved and feedback if you can't get involved. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for, for um, you know, obviously coming on and giving us a bit of detail on that. It's plenty to discuss there, um, and, and I'm sure we will. But, um, yeah, thanks, Paul John, for coming on. We will um, we'll see where it takes us. Hopefully some of the things that they have suggested are things that are actually going to come to fruition. I would hope so. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for having me. Oh, no bother. No bother. <laughs> Cheers, boss. It's like oh, it's like hosting somebody in their own house. It's weird. It's weird. Um, he's not bad, that guy. You get him on more often. He's, he should, yeah, you should get him on more often. He's he's, he's not bad. Jim, I'll come to you first. On, yeah. <laughs> I'll come to you first. Um, as a season ticket holder, all that talk about added value and stuff like that. What are you expecting or hoping the club will do next season, given that, you know, there is a potential that you're paying another £600 or whatever the nominal fee is for, for potentially a staggered return to football? I saw the WhatsApp messages from Kevin yesterday and flabbergasted, you know, that just sums it up. You know, there was a, the banner about don't fall asleep at the wheel. They're in a coma, basically. Mm. Absolute coma. They're asking the fans for ideas. That's unacceptable. Yeah. I said this last week, they've had all season to figure this one out and they couldn't figure it out. Totally unacceptable. So so fans are going back to them with the answers. Do you want us to pick a team next? You know, just <laughs> unacceptable. You know, uh, I can afford to buy a season ticket. I'll buy a season ticket. But what annoys me is their attitude. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that I've seen in the text from Kevin, I was just thinking, did he really say that? Did he really say that? Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, I hope Dom Mackay does really well. We all hope he does really well. But then he starts off and calls people noisy neighbours. What's that about? That's okay for me or you or Tony to call yeah. the team across the city or something. And it's okay for them to call the stuff back. Because that's called banter. That's what football's all about. But I wouldn't have been very pleased if the new person that... that Turn up at Ibrox after calling us names. You don't, you don't do that. That's just to curry favour with the fans. Mm-hmm. So I was disappointed with that. And maybe people might think that's a kind of petty thing. Maybe it is. But I think in the job that he's in, he has to watch what he says because it'll be picked up all the time. 
And Tony will know that full well. People will pick over the bones. It's called being professional, yeah. People will pick over the bones of minor things. And and he set himself up now. He set himself up. Noisy neighbours, you know. And one of my things, which I'm not going to go into too much about today, he's got a number of legacy issues that I hope he deals with. Because if he doesn't deal with those legacy issues, I'll be disappointed. And that's not about winning trophies into Europe. He's got a number of things that the current chief executive hasn't dealt with. At the top of that list is the boys' club. That has to be sorted out. We've had uh, a decade of cheating. Those trophies have to be reassigned to Celtic. We were done at European football. Somebody has to pay for that. Somebody has to be sued for that. And there's a five-way agreement nobody knows about. That has to go to UEFA. So if, if he deals with those things, he'll get, he'll get a big part in the back for me. Right? He has to deal with those things as well. But I don't think it's a great start by antagonising the guys across the city. Leave that to the fans. That's just banter. They can call us everything they want. We can call them everything they want. That's fine. That's just football. And that's what you do with your main rivals. We'll call them names. They can call us names. But the chief executive doesn't walk into a job and starts calling them names. That's, as Tony said, that's a lack of professionalism, basically. But uh, what was the question you asked off at a tangent there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, just, it was just to see... Six hundred. I'll pay my season ticket next season. You'll, I don't want an issue with that at all. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm on the Eddie Howe bus. Was driving Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tony, I, I thought it, there was an interesting comment that Paul John made there about, um, you know, we need to sell 53,000 season tickets at full price because the noisy neighbours across the city are going to sell every ticket going and, and uh, their people are buying the merchandise. The first thing that sprung to my mind was, is it not obvious to our club why they're doing that? Because they're seeing success on the pitch and one feeds the other? Did you not think that was a, there was a bit of irony in that statement or a bit of lack of insight there? First and foremost, I echo what Jim said. I don't want my CEO to call the club across the road the noisy neighbours. I want them to address them as Rangers. Mm-hmm. Show, show them some respect. Right? They, they've won the title. They deserve that, at least at that level, at boardroom level. The name of the team's called Rangers. They're not the noisy neighbours. You know, so you call them Rangers. Uh, and also, I just felt, do you know what it reminded me of? Do you remember the glory days of Only an Excuse? And they did a yeah. skit with Kevin Kelly standing beside Terry Cassidy. <laughs> Canvas Lang plans behind them. <laughs> saying, we are mere custodians. And they kind of looked at the camera and they just went, he is money. <laughs> That's what that fan forum was about yesterday. Brian Wilson just saying, he is money. Because as Jim says, how can they ask the fans for their ideas? Going back, to, we spoke about this weeks ago. No plan going forward. The Celtic PLC is so disconnected from the rank and file CFC. It really is. And to come on there yesterday and basically insult fans' intelligence saying, you're not getting any refund, but see if you don't give us your money, we'll not be able to buy players and compete. I, I, I utterly flabbergasted is the word, right? And just totally and utterly out of touch. I put this in the group chat the other day, right? But it just sums up the PLC, doesn't it? And the people that represent the PLC. I put, I'm going all Rod Stewart on you. Remember I said, you're Celtic United, but Dermot, we've decided you're no longer every schoolboy's dream. You're Celtic United, but Peter Weir decided that's the worst season there's ever been. You've lost your heart. You've lost your soul. You'll be our death when we grow old. You were my lover. You were my best friend. You've lost your soul. I mean, come on. They just completely and utterly take me for mugs, right? They've lost it completely. And they turn around and say to guys like Jim, pay 600 quid again, but you get nothing in return. And Jim Jim can do it because he can afford it. But a lot of people can't. And they were wanting something. They were wanting some plan moving forward, something to give them hope. And they, and they come out with statements like that. You know, how can you get into a fan's phone where you're meant to feel good and they guilt trip you into saying if you don't empty your pockets, you know, your club won't be successful? Eh? Sorry? What? You're just... And we don't even want to talk about the Palestine stuff, you know? So, I mean, come on. They had to give the fans yesterday something. I'm exempting Dominic Mackay from everything because he's walked into this, apart from the noisy neighbours. That's wrong. 
disrespectful. Right? Rangers from now on in, Dominic, at that level, you address them and you respect them because you'll get the same respect afforded back. But honestly, I flabbergasted that totally and utterly. I think also the club have to take ownership of this stuff. They should have went there yesterday and says, this is what we're planning to do, guys. Bang, 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 bang. Mm. Get behind us. We're going to get back. We're going to get back on top. This is what we're going to do. But when I seen the stuff from Kevin, you're thinking, it was almost like, as you said there, Tony, just give us your money because if you don't give us your money, then we're in trouble and we don't know what we're doing. We don't have any plans. What do you guys think? Can you help us out, please? Yeah. We're paying somebody £3 million for that. Well, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, they want to get us on board. We'll appoint a new manager. Because, you know what I mean? Our judgment's probably more yeah. sounder than yours. You know what I mean? As you say, we pick the team as well. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just it's mind-boggling that they don't have any kind it's of plan. You know, it really is. It's, it's, and it's also, right, it's happening. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's, it's, it's like Jim says, if... if... If these people are getting paid the money that they're getting paid and, and, and they are getting paid pretty handsomely, the, the least they can do is, is do the job that they're paid to do and, and come up with the ideas and and put plans in place. Uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Dominic Mackay had to outline some kind of plan for the club going forward when he was when he was interviewed or appointed to the job. Um and yeah, I think I think if we don't see a more concrete plan going forward, then we're in a lot of trouble. But I will thank you, Tony, because my wee mammy will be watching this and she will be delighted at the Rod Stewart quotations. <laughs> Loves them to bits. Hot legs, Haggerty. That's your new nickname, pal. <laughs> What's that? Hot legs, Haggerty. That's your new nickname, pal. We were talking about that in the group chat the other night. None of us know what we look from the, from the bottom half down, so we'll see. <laughs> Thank God he picked hot legs and not do you think I'm sexy. <laughs> Next week. That's a resounding no. <laughs> you, you do it for me, Tony. <laughs> That's very kind. I'll pay you can, I just, can I just get the reins back on this? This is going to be a weird place. You can have a discussion offline if you want, but this is, this is an appropriate You're such a noisy neighbour, Tony. Stop it. <laughs> 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 no, we'll we'll, uh, we'll move on from from what was um, a bit of a confusing fan forum and uh, and unclear what's happening going forward, and and we'll look uh, maybe into the past into a bit more nostalgia. Um, as you may have seen, and, and Paul John mentioned it briefly when he was on, there is um, a, a sort of reflection on Tommy Burns' life and career uh, being launched by his family and. Uh, we are involved in that launch at Celtic State of Mind. There is a video up on the YouTube channel, uh, which you can all go and watch after the show. Uh, it went live just before the show went on air, so I'm sure a lot of people won't have had a chance to see it, myself included. So I'll be going off to to watch that as soon as we um, as soon as we wrap up. But to finish out the show, I just wanted to get both Tony and Jim's thoughts on on Tommy Burns as a as a Celtic man, as he's as he's often referred to, the ultimate Celtic man. Um, Jim, I'll come to you first. Tommy Burns, what are your memories? What can you say? I think you've got three parts to Tommy Burns. You've got Tommy Burns the player, Tommy Burns the manager, Tommy Burns the person. Uh, in terms of the player, Tommy Burns is, is of my generation. He's about, I think he was about two or three years older than me. Uh, bright red hair, which I had actually back in the day as well. So I had something <laughs> called me Tommy Burns. Uh, he played in the team uh, at a time when I started to go on a more regular basis, uh, the team of the late 70s, early 80s. And it's one of my favourite teams uh, with Roy Aitken and, and Murdo, and Davey Proven, Danny McGrain, George McCluskey. Uh, played in a very successful team in a, very, in a time that was a very uh, hard league to win. You know, with Aberdeen there, with Dundee United there. Uh, it was very... I always think people who are, who are left-footed are very uh, always look better, look more elegant than other players. And if you've never seen Tommy Burns, I was thinking just before we came on about who would I compare him to in the kind of modern-day Celtic and something like maybe Joe Ledley, that kind of midfield player gets forward, scores the goals, keeps the kind of team going. Uh, as a manager, back in '94, was it? He was the obvious choice at the time. Uh, I think he was somebody who... United the fans at the time he was the guy we wanted he had a sticky first season and then we get back to Celtic Park and I think I've said this in pods in the past that the team he built 
95, 96, 96, 97. I think, to borrow Tony's phrase, that was the Rip Roaring, etc. And Celtic, that's one of the best, most exciting Celtic teams that I've seen uh, with the Van Hoydonks and uh, George Cadetti's and the guys. And in that 95, 96 season, he put 83 points on the board. Any other season, mm. he, he wins the league. But he was up against, you know, the best Rangers team of all time. So he was unfortunate in terms of the timing of that. Uh, won the cup, which was great, but uh, he was really unfortunate not to win the league. As a person, uh, I've never met I'd, I'd never met Tommy Burns, but, but I'd read all the stuff about him. And uh, you just mentioned the play there. In fact, that was actually my next play idea was uh, Bender like Burns, and I'd done all the research for it. So I've had to abandon that idea. So, But I'd actually... We read all the books and watched all the videos about two or three months ago. Uh, and he's a remarkable man. And uh, he's touched many, many people. And I think when he did pass, uh, he could have picked hundreds of people uh, to help carry his coffin. And he picked Sally McCoyce and Walter Smith, which was just mm. an unbelievable gesture. And I think it's uh, high time that we rename the Lennoxton as the Tommy Burns Academy. So uh, it's some sort of permanent reminder of an exceptional human being. I totally agree with the, the statement about Lennox Town and, and before I give my thoughts on Tommy Burns fr- from my perspective Tony I'd love to hear what you have to say because obviously um, you'll have you'll have grown up watching him in some sense in the, in the Celtic team and, and really you know um, a lot of the formative years of being a Celtic fan I'll have involved him I would think Yeah Jimmy's the words an exceptional human being and he was and I'll give you an example I had a work experience with Celtic U 95 I'd just left the university and sort of one of the first things I did was to get work experience. So we went to the Celtic U and did a few weeks with them. And Tommy Burns came into the office one day and clocked the new face. So I'm sort of Tommy Burns. And he said, and who are you? I said, I'm Tony Haggerty. I'm doing work experience. And he said, come with me. We took me to his office. And we sat for about 15, 20 minutes chatting about why I was a Celtic supporter and, and who I liked and, you know, as you say, growing up watching Celtic teams, you know, and I was just like, wow, I'm sitting with the Celtic manager and Tommy Burns and and I'm what at that point? I'm I'm twenty-three. Mm. So I'm relatively young. We just sat in awe. I just sat and listened and I was kinda not scared to talk, but I was just kinda like it and, and he was like, you know, and he just sat there, but he he does presence. He was as Jim said, he was a an exceptional human being, but pretty at ease and he was like wish you well in your career and I hope to see more of you and one day you'll be interviewing me for real and stuff like that, you know, which which is just wonderful for a guy who's trying to sit out in the business. You just think, wow, tremendous. And then when I was growing up, Celtic get cuffed by Rangers 5-1 at Ibrox and uh, I don't think anybody spoke. Uh, I think it was the 88, start the 89 season. I don't think anyone from Celtic spoke that day. And the next day in Scotsport, Jim White had an exclusive with Tommy Burns and Tommy Burns did an interview from his house and he spoke on behalf of the Celtic uh, the Celtic Football Club basically and spoke on behalf of the team and he spoke on behalf of the supporters and he told them yep times were tough but they would be back and you know that's the kind of man that Tommy Burns was you know just loved and revered and probably didn't want to be there at that moment in time but he understood he got it that someone had to front up and speak and not offer excuses, just speak and say, this is what's happening now, yep, what you're doing, we move, and to quote Jim, we move on. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my happiest memories are watching Tommy Burns in that centenary season. You know, he scored a cracker against Aberdeen, he scored a cracker against Patrick Thistle, uh, you know, but he was always happy. And then after they won the League Cup double, it was that great interview, and he said, they're there, and they're always there, and God bless them. And yeah, yeah, um, I, it speaks volumes what we've just spoken about about the way in which the fans have been treated this season. You know, Tommy Burns. I can't say without hyperbole that he would never have allowed that because he was one of us and he was there doing the job. Um, from my point of view, Tommy Burns was basically at the head of the first Celtic team I ever fell in love with. It was I was six years old when he was appointed manager in 1994 and my first Celtic heroes are a result of his his management. 
Uh, the Three Amigos, Cadetvan, <laughs> Hoydonk and Tom, De Canio, uh, an elderly but still still with it, Paul McStay, um, <laughs> Tosh McKinley, Tom Boyd, brought in McNamara and, and Donnelly, you know, I could go on. It was just the ultimate, like you say, <clears throat> free-scoring Celtic team that my brother actually, who's eight years older than me, says that for all the trebles that we've won and all the trophies that we've won and the run to Seville all great memories he still maintains that his favourite time as a Celtic supporter was watching that Tommy Burns team um, he says it was exciting and, and we were so unfortunate to to not win the league like you said Jim 83 points on the on the board would win you win you the league at any other season and, and I think the I think the fact that we didn't was, was a bit of a crime um, but I do remember uh, when I was at uni I was a finishing second year at uni and uh, Tommy was pretty unwell at that time, and um, you know everybody everybody knew it wasn't looking good. But I remember um, my mum phoned me. I'd just come out of my last exam at uni for that year. Um, I was going for lunch with my friends, none of whom were Celtic supporters or football supporters in any in any great sense or any sense at all, really. Um, and I just get a text message from her to say uh, Tommy Burns has passed away, and. Uh, it had apparently broke on the news that morning. Um, I hadn't seen it. I had been lucky enough not to see it. And I, she had deliberately not said anything to me to, to not distract me from what I had to go and do that morning because it's no exaggeration to say that it was a, it was a big deal when, when he passed away. There's not a Celtic fan whose heart wasn't broken when that happened. It was the first time I ever went down to the stadium to pay tribute to somebody like that. The sea of shirts and scarves and, and, and people there... And and people say you can't grieve for somebody you didn't know. You one hundred percent can because we all see ourselves in him. We all see ourselves as Celtic supporters, as people. Um, he identifies with a lot of people. He had a strong, strong um Catholic faith. There's a lot of uh, people in the Celtic support who have that as well. So he had that identification with them as well. And um, on a lighter note, Tony, you brought up only an excuse earlier. He was one of the funniest characters on Only an Excuse that you could come across. Absolutely brilliant Celtic Football Club was the was the famous phrase. He was also responsible for what I think is the best ever quote about living in the Glasgow Goldfish Bowl and playing for either or. And he said, one half of the city hates you, the other half think they own you. And I don't think mm. you can encapsulate being a player for Celtic or Rangers any better than that. You know, he, he just was, he was a he was a special, special human being, you know, and what a legacy that is that any other Celtic team that finishes second to Rangers is discarded as failures. Yet that Tommy Burns team with the, with the real three amigos, not us up front, <laughs> uh, is still lauded as being one of the best football teams because he got it and they played the Celtic way and had the misfortune to come up against a, a Rangers team, as Jim said, probably the best of all time. You know, in that famous quote that he said about Andy Gorham, you know, though Andy Gorham broke my heart, they'll carve that in my tombstone. I mean, what a compliment that is to a, a fellow player, a, an opposition player, you know, just to say, you're good, you know, and, and say it that way, that because he was, he just raised his game whenever they played Celtic and, and broke Tommy Burns' heart on many an occasion with his performances, but he was man enough to admit that and say, tip his hat to that, so... Just a wonderful, wonderful person. Mm-hmm. I think also how you know that he's an exceptional person. There's been very, very few players that have been respected across the Glasgow divide. Yeah. Jim yeah. Baxter's certainly one of them. And I think the other side of the city have got a lot of respect for Tommy Burns. And I think that's why yeah. he's such, he, he was such an exceptional person. I think there's no better way to, to finish the show than that. Hopefully um, hopefully there are other players that and, and people that come forward from both sides of the divide that, that bring out the level of respect and admiration in, in both sides of the, the city that, that Tommy Burns did. Uh, my hope isn't lost that that will happen one day. So uh, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for all your comments on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. We will be back for the coverage of the Hibs game. Um, Paul John said... Uh, Natasha will be at the stadium but we'll still be covering it remotely as well for our usual match build up uh, and reaction to what's going on there so thanks again everybody we will see you at the weekend and this has been a Celtic State of Mind 
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.